Well, good morning. It's a great day. I was thinking we need to kind of open up the sides here and open up the top, but then you guys would be so distracted with this beautiful day. So we're going to kind of close you in so you're not aware of this great day that we're having <laughs> until after, after the service here. Uh, but it is, it is an awesome day. Actually, I've got a, uh, a picture here from early this morning. For those of you early risers, I know there were a few of you that I saw that made it out there. Do we have the, the picture? There we go. So this, is, this was this morning as uh, uh, we just worshiped. It started at 6.30 this morning over at the, the MAC auditorium there, the outside auditorium. And it was just a great time of, of worship. And then uh, Pastor Dave Love from Calvary, he got up and, and spoke. The worship was from uh, Mark Marvel's church, uh, Castle Rock Bible Church. And this is what we do, is we just do community together. The churches come together. Uh, we go after God as a, as a family. And it's so awesome. Pastor Jeff talked a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, I get to... I get to pray with all these pastors every Thursday. We gather together. And so even this past Thursday, uh, we got to get together and just pray over this special day today and, and yesterday as well. As there's a lot of services uh, all over the world right now celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And uh, just a special time. Uh, it's funny, Thursday morning, though, right before, right before I uh, went to this prayer meeting, I was kind of preparing things and a little stressed out, I guess, you know, I had a lot going on, just getting ready for, for this weekend and then other things happening as well. And uh, so my oldest daughter, Caitlin, who you met, and she, kinda, she came up to me as I was trying to run out the door and she said, you know, Dad, you just got to have some more fun. <laughs> you just got to make it fun, like just enjoy it. <laughs> and uh, when you're little... 10-year-old daughter comes up to you and like speaks this word in you that just kind of hits you at the heart. You're like, oh, man. Yeah, you know, we just got to have more fun. So this is a word for everybody this morning. I actually shared it with the pastors on Thursday. I was like, man, we got to have more fun. And I had to give my daughter credit for it. But, uh, uh, but I'll, I'll just say this morning, we got to have more fun. Like God is a, is a happy God. <laughs> So I'm going to have everyone stand up and do a little dance. And you guys ready? You're like, yeah, right. <laughs> For the five of you that actually get up and do it. <laughs> but we are going to have more fun. We got to have more fun throughout life and just enjoy it. And we, I think we get so stressed out with all the things going on in life. You know, and when we look back at all the things, if you look back, take this past week and think about all the things that stressed you out. Do you even remember what they were? You remember the things you got upset about, maybe with your spouse or with your kid? They did something, or your spouse, you know, maybe did something, or, you know, what was maybe a friend at one time did something. How important are those things? They're really not that important. So anyway, this isn't part of the message. This is just, just a, a, a freebie here. Let's, let's dig into it. Tell you what, we're going to go to... Uh, Romans 5, if you have your Bibles, which you should all have your Bibles. That doesn't mean an iPhone, but no, you can pull out your iPhones. If you <laughs> Regardless, let's, uh, we're going to start in Romans 5 this morning. And uh, before we do, I'm going to tell you a quick story here. So there were two brothers, 
And they were terrible troublemakers. They were always breaking things, stealing things, lying, getting into all kinds of trouble. Their parents tried everything to get these boys to change, but to no avail. Finally, out of options, they asked their pastor if he would help. He agreed to have a talk with the boys, but only one at a time. So the parents dropped off the younger boy at the pastor's office and went home, promising to return for him soon. The boy was invited into the pastor's office. He came in, sat down in a chair at the opposite side of the desk where the pastor was sitting. There was silence for a few minutes, and then finally the pastor asked, where is God? The young boy sat there, and he didn't say a word. The pastor, thinking the boy was now getting the picture that God is always watching and all-knowing, looked sternly at the boy and in a louder voice said again, where is God? The little boy kind of shifted in his seat, but still there was no answer. Now the pastor was getting a little frustrated at the boy's refusal to answer the question. And so he practically shouted out, where is God? To the pastor's surprise, the boy got up, jumped out of his chair, ran out of the office. He ran all the way home, up the stairs, into his brother's room, shut the door, and while out of breath, gasped, we're in big trouble. God's missing, and they think we did it. (laughs) Ah, good to be a kid again, right? (sighs) All right. Well, good. I got you guys to laugh. This is all about the fun here. Even when we're all dressed up, and you got, by the way, you guys look fantastic this morning. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's dig into it here. So I want to just set the stage this morning. Uh, and here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to get into the Word. I'm going to set the stage of basically what you would typically hear, like the Easter message. And then I want to go in deeper into some things that I believe God has for us this morning that he really wants. He just, he's put on my heart, and I believe this is for us this morning. And then at the end of that time, we're going to just, we're going to have a chance just to respond. And so we're going to come back into just a time of worship at the end. So I just ask that you guys stay all the way through the end of this. I think it's so important. The the part that I speak is okay. It's going to be fine. And I I know the the Holy Spirit's going to speak through me the things that he has for each one of you this morning. But ultimately, it's going to be your response. It's your heart's response to this, which is the key part of this. Otherwise, we basically walk out of here the same way as we walked in. And my heart and my, what I want to see this morning is that we walk out different than, what we, than when we walked in. That we walk out even more changed with having even a better understanding, a greater wisdom and revelation of who our Father is. Okay? You guys on board? All right. Got quiet again, so we're having a good time, right? All right, here we go. Romans 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. And then jumping down to verse 15, it says, But the gift is not like the trespass. 
For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift, which is eternal life, that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. So you guys all understand that? <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to that. When Paul, Romans is so good, but it's also, it is deep. It's one of those messages, like you have to, it's, it's, there's some uh, steak in there. You gotta, you can't just swallow it. You gotta like chew on it a little bit to, to grasp it all. But the, I'd say that the main point I want to make here is that, that although man created a trespass, that Jesus came, so this trespass was death to man, but Jesus came that we may have life, that we may have it more abundantly. He came and, and he was the atoning sacrifice for all of our sin. Not just the sin of yesterday, not just the sin of today, but the sin of tomorrow as well. And so he's taken care of all of it. And it is, he says, it is finished. Here's the thing, though. I want to go back and just look at, at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden real quick. And how did this actually happen? This is just kind of a side note, but I think it's just important to see how did, how did this thing actually occur? We have a, God creates this amazing place. He puts man in a garden, creates Eve, puts Eve with him. But there's a serpent in the garden as well. The name is Satan. And a lot of times we read the scriptures and we look at it as this all happened in a period of like four hours. Uh, where, you know, God first, or six days, seven days, he rested, and then, and then right after that, boom, we messed up right away. I don't think it was a mess up right away. I think God walked with man in the cool of the evening for days and days and just had fellowship. But then a time came where the enemy came in and began to speak, began to speak to Eve, and I'm sure to Adam as well. But what happened is it became not just where the enemy was speaking, but it became a dialogue back and forth. And it was out of that that this it was a conversation that started where thoughts were entertained, which turned into an agreement, which turned into the fall of mankind. And so I just want to say this morning, the enemy is always going to be speaking to you. Don't carry on a conversation with him. Don't come into an agreement with him. Don't speak back. <laughs> if you speak back, speak the word of truth back and command him to go. But do not, do not carry on a conversation. Don't come into an agreement with the enemy. Okay. Let's continue on. Verse 18 of Romans 5 says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life to all men and women, to all. So here in summary, this is just, again, setting the stage here. We have Adam and Eve. They bring death to mankind through sin. And then we have a Savior. We have God who sends his son into the world in the form of a man as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. And it's because of God's love for us that our relationship is restored and we become, we come into right standing with the Father. So this whole thing, now we have this, so how do, how do we receive this salvation? A lot of times the church complicates this one as well. 
So again, I'm just going to go through this quickly, and then we're going to get into the meat of the message here. But Romans 3.22, Paul says it this way, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And the righteousness is the right standing. It's, it's placed in a position where we have relationship with the Father. This comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. He says it again another way in Romans 10.9. I think we have that one up. We can put it up on the screen. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So it's very simple. We just have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who came, who died for our sins, and confess with our mouth that he is our Lord and our Savior, and we will be saved. This is the crux of the message right here. This is, if you get nothing else, this is so important. This is it. Without this, without this foundation, the rest of it is really meaningless. So we have to get this part. But there is, there is much more to this whole story. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And he's talking not only about an eternal life, but he's talking about a life right here on this earth right now. We have a God that has been pursuing us from the beginning of time. He created us in his image to be like him, that we would have fellowship and relationship with him. But he also created us with, a, to, with choices. We, we get to make a choice. And so we always question, well, well, why would God, why do we have this, all this stuff going on in this world? When he created the garden, he put two trees in the garden. And he gave us a choice from the very beginning. And we still have a choice now. We have a choice to come to him, or we have a choice to go another direction. The first thing we need to understand about this abundant life is that God's design and his perfect plan for us is to be in a relationship with him. You know, when, when, uh, when Jesus came to this earth, he came because of the Father. So here we are, we're in this time, before Jesus came, we were in a time where, where man has fallen and where we do not have relationship with the Father. We can't come into the holies of holies. We come into the holies of holies, unless you're the high priest, you're going down. But now, we have this ability to come into the holies of holies because of Jesus. But it was the Father that sent Jesus. Jesus said that I, have, I, I am here to do the will of my Father. The Father sent him, and he says, not my will be done, but your will be done. And he sent him because of the love that he has for us. I'll say the other thing that he, he's done here is the, and the other purpose that we were created is to have relationship with those around us, to love those around us. He, he gave us two commandments. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then he says the second thing is, love your neighbor as yourself. 
He changed that later on to say, love your neighbor as I have loved you. That I would lay down my life for you. So this is, these are the two things. This is what we were created for. When God created the garden, he didn't put one person in the garden. He put two. We were created for relationship with each other. In 1 John 4.10, John, who understood the love of the Father probably more than any other disciple, he says this, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he, being God, loved us and sent his son as, a, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I think it's hard. I just, we know this story. We know the story of, of God sending his son, his only son, uh, to die on a cross for our sins. But I don't think we understand the depth of his love for us. And this morning, I want us to understand that depth of his love. You know, I think when I had my, our first child, being a, a parent now of three, the first one is always kind of the most impactful because you just, you don't understand what it's like to, to love someone so much uh, that comes into the world. But the, for those of you who are parents and you'll get to experience it soon if you're not a parent yet. Uh, but uh, when, when, our, when Caitlin came into the world here, our oldest, and, and she was born, it was one of those moments where she comes in and it's like, oh my gosh, this is my precious little child that I would do anything for. This is the love of the Father that the Father has for us. He has a love so much that he would do anything for us. And I think, you know, we as parents, we're good parents, but we, are, uh, we still make mistakes. We have a heavenly Father that actually doesn't make any mistakes. But unfortunately, uh, we do. And I was trying to think of an example in my life where I actually made a mistake with my kids. I couldn't think of one. So, so I called up a friend of mine and I said, hey, hey can I use an, you as an example? And so he, uh, he uh, begrudgingly, he, he said, that's fine. Yes, you can do that. So he's actually here this morning. I, I won't look over his way because uh, I'll probably start laughing. <laughs> so I'm going to use him as an example this morning. Thank you very much for letting me use you. Uh, so this, was, this happened about six or seven years ago, I think. And, uh, and I, this is a friend of mine who I played volleyball with. And so we were actually out at somebody's house. They have a court in their backyard. And, and we're playing volleyball together. And we play sand volleyball. It's two men sand. And we were between games. We're sitting in the grass on the side. And, and his son, his oldest son, who was at the time probably six years old, running around with his shirt off, having a great time. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, I see him get this this idea. And he's, he's playing with this thing. I don't know if you've seen those, uh, those stretchy bands, the resistance bands for working out. You can kind of step on them and, you know, you can do curls or do different exercises. You guys know what I'm talking about? They have the handles and they, they stretch out. So, and I'm sure you guys have never had these kind of thoughts, but uh, he, had this, he had this idea and he calls over his son, who of course, you know, comes running over. What is it, dad? What do you got? He's like, hey, I want you to do something. I want you to grab one end of this band, and I want you to take off running as fast as you can in this direction. 
So he's holding one end of the band, and his son takes off running uh, at a full sprint, uh, which, you know, you're not going to go very far, obviously, when you're <laughs> with these resistance bands. And so he takes off running, and, and I have to say, this, it's a horrible thing, but I, I yeah, anyway. So <laughs> I, he, uh, all of a sudden, I see this thing. The, the handle, where the father's holding onto it, uh, it separates from the band. There's a little knob in there, that, and it pulled right through. And all of a sudden, you see this thing with a great velocity flying at the kid in slow motion. This kid's running with a big smile on his, back, on his face and, until this thing nails him in the back. I mean, this is like you know a 12-foot rubber band just going whap right in the back. And he, he screams out the loudest scream I've ever heard. And he turns around, and he looks at his dad. And I, I'm looking at this whole thing. And first of all, I thought the dad, who's a good friend of mine, and I'm like, oh, dude, did you just let go of that thing? <laughs> did you really do that? <laughs> but he's sitting there still holding the handle, like with this like shock on his face, like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? And his son's looking at him like, how? Could you, Dad? I trusted you with my life as I ran this way, and you let go of this thing, and it hit me in the back. And I'll tell you, in the moment, I have to say, it was the funniest thing I have ever experienced. <laughs> I felt so sorry for him. But oh my gosh, I laughed and laughed and laughed. And, I, and I'm glad it wasn't me, because I can tell about this story. And, and, uh, but here's the thing, is we as parents, we make mistakes all the time. We have a heavenly father that actually never makes mistakes. He loves us, and he is a perfect father. I've got a second story, uh, and I've got a picture here of, uh, of a man and his daughter. Oh, look at that. That's me and my daughter. Look. <laughs> this is a great father. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. If you guys only knew what happens on, at home, I'm not a great father. <laughs> I mess up all the time. Uh, but this was a good moment, so I thought I would share that with you. Uh, but this is, this is uh, me and my youngest, Aaliyah, who's our little crazy one. And uh, she was probably about three years old at this time. And so here I am uh, throwing her up in the air. And she is having the time of her life. And here's the thing I want to say about this is, as I look at our lives and picture yourself, here we are, and now you're, you're older and God's throwing you up in the air. My little girl, <laughs> I guarantee you she was not thinking, oh no, oh no, he's going to drop me. I know it. He's going to drop me. Ah, and then, whew, and then I catch her. <laughs> that's, not what he's th that's not what she's thinking at all. She is having the time of her life. She's laughing, giggling, you know, saying, do it again, Daddy, do it again. But I feel like, I think, like, for us, as we get these filters in our lives, we lose that fun. We lose that trust in the Father. And what we begin to do is we begin to worry every time God throws us in the air. And every time we go up, we get this, this feeling of anxiety and Oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? Is he going to catch me? Is he going to catch me? And boom, he catches us. But then the next time he throws us up again, it's the same thing that happens. 
And I see it, I see it in my life all the time. I mean, I, and, I, and I wonder why every time he meets the needs, every time he's been there for me, every time I put my trust and my hope in him, he's there and he meets the needs. But every time it seems like I always go, oh gosh, God, are you going to be there this time? Are you going to catch me this time? Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of heaven starts right here and now. And I believe this is a time where we just have to become like little children. We have a dad, a perfect dad, who loves us so much. But we got to put our trust and our hope in him. We got to go after him with everything that we have and say, yes, God, I will trust in you. I'm not going to put my trust and my hope in the things of this earth. There are a lot of things that we, we put our trust in and our hope in. But God is a jealous God, and he wants all of us, every bit of us. And when we give him everything, we get everything back and so much more. He says, seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. All right, Romans 6. This is the last scripture I'm going to read here. 6.6 6 says, uh, this is Paul again, and he's, he's talking about going, being from, going from dead to sin to alive to Christ. He says, for we know that our old self was crucified with Christ so that the body of sin might be done away with. When he says done away with, another translation says rendered powerless so that sin may be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And then in verse 10 and 11, he says, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. So he took our sins once for all, past, present, future. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. So the point here is that sin no longer has power over us. We have full authority. And, I, and I, we need to grasp that this morning, that these things that we're dealing with, these things that we're, we're saying, man, I've, I'm struggling in this area, I'm struggling in that area, we need to begin to tap into the realization that we have authority over all those areas. Jesus already died on the cross for all these things. But we still have a choice. God continues to give us this choice. And if you read on here in Romans 16, 16, he says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are a slave to the one you obey, regardless of the authority that you carry? Just added that in there. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. And then in verse 18, it says, you have been set free from sin. That's us. We have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And some of the other epistles, some of the other letters, Paul writes it this way. He says, basically, you have become sons of God and heirs. You are no longer a slave to sin. We are now sons of God. We hold a brand new position. But we still have that choice. 
of who we want to be a slave to, of who we want to obey. And whoever we obey is who we become a slave to, regardless of the authority that we carry. All right. You guys know the story of the prodigal son? A few of you. It's a great story, right? It's an awesome story. This is a story of a son that, that takes his father's inheritance. He goes off and he spends every bit of it. Then he realizes he's got nothing. And so he goes, well, you know what? I think it's going to be better to come back. I can be a slave. That's going to be a better position than being out in the world and having nothing, sleeping with the pigs, eating pig food and all that stuff. So he comes back. He comes back. And as soon as the father sees him, father comes running to him. And this is, you know, Jesus is telling this story, and this is an example of who our Father is, our Heavenly Father is. And so you see this Father, basically, in order for that Father to see him from a distance and come running to him, he's been, he's been looking for him. He's been waiting for him. He's been longing after him for that return of a relationship. And so he sees him in the distance. He goes running after him. He throws the robe around him. He puts the ring on his finger. They kill the fat calf, and they throw a huge party. Awesome time. Restoration of a, of a relationship. Father comes to son. Son returns to the father just to be a slave. And the father says, no, we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate your return. But I want to tell you, I want to go to the older brother version of this story. So at the end of this, it talks about the older brother's position. And I think this is so important that we see this. Because I think a lot of times for us, we may be the ones that never actually left God but we still don't understand the position we hold with our God, with our dad. And so you have this old brother who is pretty much, how do I say it in church? He's very upset. He's not happy with this whole situation because he's been there the whole time. And this is what he says to his father. He says, look, all these years, I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet, you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, he comes home and you kill the fattened calf for him. Basically saying, how could you? This is so unfair. Here I am with you all the time. Your son is a horrible son, comes back, and you throw a bigger party than I've ever had. I've been here the whole time. And I love the father's response. And he says something so profound here, so deep. And he starts off with two words, which set the tone. He says, my son. He tells him who his, what his identity is, my son. And then he says this, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. <laughs> if you're that older brother, you got to be thinking, oh my gosh, I have been missing it this entire time. I've been obeying him. I've been doing the things that I'm supposed to do, but I didn't realize that I had everything of the fathers at my fingertips, that I could throw a party every day. An abundant life with the Father is understanding our position as sons and daughters and walking in relationship with the Father. This is what it means for us to go from death to life. 
to go from being a slave to sin to being a slave to righteousness, to having an heir to the throne. You know, this book that we read, ultimately, this is, this is a love story of a father. It's of a father who is relentlessly pursuing his children. He's a perfect father, and he's got some crazy kids, kids that, that uh, use rubber bands and slap their kids in the back. <laughs> we are far from perfect. And God is more than okay with that. He doesn't expect us to live a perfect life, but what he desires is a relationship with us. Doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter. He just, the shame that we carry is shame that we put on ourselves or that the enemy puts on us, that this is where we talk back and forth with the enemy. When we come into that place in the agreement with the enemy, we say, yeah, I'll take on that shame. But that's not ours to take. We have authority over that, and we walk in a place as a position as a son and a daughter of the Most High. When uh, my son was five years old, you met my son who's nine now, and when he was five years old, he was diagnosed with a, a heart, uh, an issue with the heart. It's called ASD. Basically, what we found out is that he was going to need to go in for open heart surgery. It was going to require that... Uh, they, in a sense, they shut down the heart and the lungs, and they go in and they reconstruct the heart. Probably the worst day of my life. It's at that time, you know, I was, at the, I was actually at the hospital, and, uh, and he's going in for surgery, and I would have done anything in that moment to say, God, let me take the place of my son. I didn't want him to go through that. I didn't know if I'd ever see him again. For those of you who have lost a child, I think you know that pain. For those of you who have gone through something like this, you know that pain. You understand what, what, it, what it is to, to have that, that feeling of, I would do anything for my child. Yet we have a God who has made us in his likeness, who has the same kind of feelings, the same emotions, who sent his son to die for us. How much love does it take for a father to do that because he is relentlessly pursuing his children? That's a great father. That's an amazing father. I think I've got a picture. This is my son. This is right after, right after the surgery. And I'll tell you, I was, <laughs> this in a sense was like a resurrection day for me. And when he came in and he was, he was okay, it was one of those moments I was like, thank you, God, for bringing my son back. It was a special moment. I want to just finish with this quick story here. Uh, there's a picture here I'm going to put up of uh, Father Tom and his little daughter, who's five years old, Keely. And this, this man, back in 2014, they found out that he had a cancerous brain tumor. It was taking him down pretty quickly. And so he knew that he was not going to be able to spend the rest of his days with his daughter and watch his daughter grow up. I can't imagine. I've got two little daughters. I've got a son. I cannot imagine not being able to spend the days watching my kids grow up, being with them. He writes this letter 
to his five-year-old little girl. I'm just going to read the first part of it here. He says, darling Keely, I am so sorry. I will not get to see you grow up as I want to. Please don't blame people or the world for this. I wish I had the words to make you feel better. I wish I didn't have cancer, and I wish you didn't have to see me in pain as often as you do now. I wish so many things were different, but they're not. Most dads and daughters have decades to chat around a kitchen table, their hands warm by mugs of coffee as their dad dishes out advice, and their little girls, no doubt, roll their eyes. We don't have that time. I won't be able to drop you off at your first day at big school. Pick you up from your first date. Or hold you when your heart hurts. Or cheer for you when you graduate. But while your old dad is still around, I thought I'd give you some of life's advice in one go. I hope it gives you some comfort. And I hope cancer never returns to your life. And that is long, fulfilled, and happy. He goes on to talk about different areas of life. He has it set up where his daughter each year receives a birthday present from him. But he knows this is, he's not going to get to see all these things with his kids. And this is what I want to say is that feeling that you're feeling right now. This is the same feeling that the father has when he doesn't have his kids, when we go and we turn from him and we walk and we're like the prodigal son and we leave. He is not an angry father. He is a father that loves us with all his heart, that would do anything, anything to have his kids back. This is the love of the father. Look, he wants us to go from death to life and then to an abundant life. He wants us to have an abundant life with him. I hope we just get a chance just this morning to experience how great the Father's love is for us. I'm going to just conclude with this one verse. This is Romans 8.38, and this is what Paul says about love, about the love of the Father. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the love that our Father God has for us through Jesus Christ that he sent his Son to die on the cross, that we could be in relationship with him on this earth, having an abundant life and for eternity 